Hello and welcome to the 551 Podcast. My name is Wes Burdine and traveling across space-time continuum from Philadelphia, Alex Schieferdecker. Hey, man. Hey, how you doing? I am... Do uh, I'm going to give it a 7 out of 10, just pretty average, just getting by and pretty content. You? Of match rating inflation seven out of yeah. ten is good that's, that's true not just You're right. yeah seven out of ten is i all right so i'm just gonna say 5.5 5. okay i'm all right i'm i'm not not particularly affecting the game in any way but you know there's no, nothing bad about my game going on right now okay okay we can check in at the end of the the, the episode <laughs> and see how that changes though but um you just uh you just bought a bicycle i did just buy a bicycle is it yep. a fancy one it's um it's not that fancy. It's a single speed. It is uh and it was on sale, so I got it for uh like two hundred, two hundred eighty dollars. So I'm feeling pretty good about about my purchase. Okay. What, and what of course kind, the, what kind the of... first day that I would ride it to work is pouring rain, so I took the trolley instead. What is uh what is bike biking in Philadelphia like? Imagine just like, hellish, right? Yeah, well the drivers are horrible. Drivers uh, are horrible, the roads are like Fit yeah, enough for like one horse and buggy. Yeah, the, the the roads are a moonscape. The drivers are serial red light runners. Also, in my part of Philadelphia, we have uh, big trolley tracks in the street. Ooh, so yeah. you have to be careful crossing those, especially if you have a road bike, because your your tire fits uh, pretty snugly into the track. So you have to make sure you cross it at speed or at a right angle or something. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All <laughs> lots, right. of, lots of fun things to learn. <laughs> Um, so we have, uh, some, some pain to delve into with Minnesota United this week. We've also got some good, bad, and the weird, et cetera. Lots of Twitter questions. Um, do you just, should we just do this thing and jump right into the good, bad, and the weird? Do you want to just jump right into it? Yeah. Um, let's start this. This is what you are actually excited about. The Bundesliga is kicking up again, uh, this weekend, but, you know, it already kicked off today with the Bundesliga two because FC St. Pauli uh, got a draw today. That's what I care about. Thank goodness. Well, someday they'll make the, the Bundesliga. Maybe they'll be back. I think they almost got relegated last year, though. But so. are, are you are you <laughs> you're excited about this? Are you a big Bundesliga guy? I'm, I've gotten much more excited about the Bundesliga, especially compared to the the Premier League. Um, a, all the Americans are in the Bundesliga. B it just feels more. Uh, I think we'll get to this in the bad because the way that sort of money is sloshing around the top leagues in Europe right now, and the way that certain owners, you know, contrive to get their their team to be the best, and they do it by buying out all these fun, interesting players who are who are playing for interesting smaller teams. It feels like you get. Less of that in the Bundesliga. I know Bayern dominates everything. I know Dortmund sucks up like Mahmoud Daoud from from uh, from München Gladbach, and there are all these good players that go to the top teams. I get that the same thing kind of happens, but it just feels more even. It feels like teams on the fringes are, are have a chance to be interesting and have a chance to develop special players. Uh, and the the fans are really second to none of any of the European leagues. So um, I'm really excited about the Bundesliga. Do you have a rooting interest? Not really. I, I'm Pulisic, obviously, but I'm really hoping Weston McKenney does like breaks into the Schalke first team this year. Yeah. I think that would be really good. He's my sleeper for World Cup roster. 
Ooh, okay. Yeah, I mean, you've got the the three um three US players, uh, young US players at Schalke. So, yeah, I mean, you are right for, for I'm getting a little bored of the Premier League. I have been for years and and at least like I can watch some Americans play or or John Brooks, uh, Fabian know, Johnson, Christian exactly, Pulisic, yeah. Bobby Wood. It's really there and even though Aaron Johansson appears to be leaving Werder Bremen, it's still there is so much American American flavor in the German league right now. It's very fun. Um, the bad is the Neymar transfer saga. I don't know. Do we have anything to add of this? It is bad. We just need to recognize that that much money being spent on a player is just, it's stupid. It's obscene and it kind of grosses you out, but I don't It's like, it's like in violation of the sort of financial. I mean, I think financial fair play is pretty easy to mock in the first place, but the fact that this kind of thing can happen is so silly. It's just, it's it's got to be frustrating. It's got to be frustrating for fans because, like, what I feel like you must feel so powerless when this kind of thing happens because this whole thing is going on at a level so far above the average ticket-paying fan. You know, it's like it's almost geopolitics because you know PSG is basically owned by a country. You have Man City, which is basically owned by a country. I think that. The, the way that these ownerships and the way that these ownerships are sort of bargaining for players and how agents factor into it and you have third party ownership and it just gets so muddled and really dispiriting do you, because does it, it uh, just takes it so far away from the actual game. So at what point do you just say, screw this? I don't well, I mean, it, I'm excited about the Bundesliga yeah, and MLS. Reason. I know that yeah. money is in both leagues and there are certainly problems with both leagues, but. I, I think that I, I, I don't know. I tend to feel it. I'm generally a realist about the need for having money in, in sports t- to sort of sustain it. But the way the sort of the level that it's taken on, especially with, I think with this Neymar transfer saga really left a sour taste in my mouth. Yeah. Um, the weird is uh, the news of Philippe Senderos, formerly of Arsenal and grasshoppers and uh etc um that he has been signed by houston uh which is a little bit he's a 32 year old i mean in his last since 2014 he played eight games for valencia eight games for aston villa 14 games for grasshoppers three games for rangers so this is uh i don't know right I think Will Parchman put it best on Twitter, uh, Will Parchman of Top Drawer Soccer, when he said, uh, explain to me how Philippe Senderos is still playing when he started his career in the Coolidge administration. <laughs> this guy's been around forever. And yeah. it just, the, as you read the last teams that he's been on, like nothing stands out. He's barely played for a variety of pretty middling teams. Yeah. I he- mean, Start him next to Nguche Anyewu or something like yeah. that. I mean, here's that is one transfer target. I'm glad Minnesota has not pursued the Gooch. No, Phil Senderos. Oh, Senderos. Yeah, yeah. There are sometimes you look at the players who were signed and you think you know that they were offered to you know they, all the all the teams they, yeah. they were offered to, and you go, thanks guys, you you really showed some restraint on that one. Um, 
So uh, let's take a break. We'll come back after big quarters, and we will now talk. We, we've got to put sackcloth on and, and ashes on our head, and then we'll talk about the, the game against Seattle. Welcome back to the 55-1 podcast. I'm Wes. Alex is in Philadelphia. Um, you still doing all right? Where, where are we? I want to gauge things. Are you above a five? Yeah, I, I'm a solid six right now. I think. Okay. Yeah, I thought I thought the um, I thought the part about Philip Senderos pushed us up a bit. You know, it was it was all right, and then we we started to get somewhere there. So I'm with you on the six. Um, let's talk about Minnesota United. Uh, Seattle came to town. This was our one chance to get a win this month. Uh, because our next games are away to Chicago and Seattle, and they are both very good, and we are terrible at on the road. And so, uh, how did we do, Alex? We got destroyed. Uh, we lost four zero. Uh, basically, a repeat of the DC game uh, in more ways than one, actually. Um, but Seattle were pretty ruthless. Uh, they could have scored more. Um, it uh, it was not pleasant to watch. Were uh, we as bad as DC United was against us, or were we better than DC United? I think was? it was basically a role reversal, right? Okay. I mean, the way we played against DC United, like we had lots of chances and finished them like really clinically. And DC also, we gave DC tons of chances, and they blew them all in like spectacular fashion. That four zero was completely undeserved for the way that that game went. This week, karma catches up to us. We had tons of chances against Seattle. I mean, we really did. We put a lot of shots on goal. We were constantly dangerous. We had two. We never score. You know, we forced two very good saves from uh, mm-hmm. Jesse. Our, fin- our finishing wasn't even like that bad. It just, we, you know, it just didn't come together, and we didn't put the ball in the net. Seattle, on the other hand absolutely clinical, finish their chances. So I think that, I actually think that despite the fact that we won one game 4-0 and lost one game 4-0, I don't think we played that much worse than we did against DC. I think that the quality of the team we played is night and day. DC are very, very bad. And Seattle, despite the fact that they've had some issues this year, they had basically their full complement of players, Dempsey, Morris, Lodero. They were very good. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about a, a few of the positives that that did come from this. And one I thought was Christian Ramirez is out. Uh, his hamstring was tweaked. Uh, he started running late again in the week. And so I don't think, I haven't heard yet this week, but I, I don't think he's out that long. Uh, we have this weekend off, so I think he's got extra time to recover. And I th- that was the idea of holding him out. Instead, it was Abu Dinladi. Uh, we have not seen Abu start up top uh, this season. He's always started when he does uh, on the wing as kind of an inside forward. And I thought his movement was really good. I don't, did, did you, what did you observe about Dunlady? He was, I think, the only player I gave a positive rating to in the post-match uh, ratings. I, I thought he was really good too. Uh, you know, we have actually seen him play up top alone once before. It was against Portland in preseason. And I remember he looked like a child playing 
you know, a game with, with big, like fully grown men. He was getting bodied off of every ball. He was not looking quick. He was not looking sharp. I mean, that, that game made me question, oh, who, like, why did we take the, this guy with the number one pick? But, you know, he's had his injury issues this year. He scored a couple goals. They've been sort of opportunistic goals, but he scored them. And then this game comes around. It's just a big chance to make a statement. And I think he did. You know, he didn't score, but he was so dangerous. And he, once in a while, he made, he made like two or three chances really out of nothing. They were basically chances he created himself. You know, a loose ball bouncing around, let's say, the top of the box, and he's the first one to get to it. Um, he was running all over the pitch. His runs were great. His speed was very obvious, very present. Um, I think that he was really... Uh, really a star player for us. Yeah, there were a couple times where, you know, the ball just came a little bit to his side and the way he moved his center back, it was certainly something I haven't seen a Minnesota striker do in a long time. So that that part was at least encouraging. I, I didn't think he quite made a statement in that, like, you know, the statement would have been uh, saying that playing well enough that you wouldn't start Ramirez again when, he, when he's fit. But he didn't... I think- he He'll start up. Ramirez, but I think that Dunlady has to start alongside of him, basically. I, mean, I think that, and the, um, that any thought you had of, of doing some other kind of scenario, I think if Dunlady's healthy, I think he's got to start. That is the question. Uh, I mean, formational, uh, figuring out what to do with Dunlady. I mean, then you, you would be a little bit more of a 4-4-2, um, you know, with probably Nicholson and Molino on the wings whether or not that gives enough uh, heft in the midfield or control in the midfield. I'm not, I'm not sure to, to Heath's satisfa- satisfaction, oh. but um, I don't think we had any control in the midfield in this game either. So yes, I'm not no. sure what's lost. You know, I, I think that, I think that Dunlady, um in what I've seen from him when he plays with Ramirez, I do think that they can complement each other. There are different types of players. Dunlady has speed that we don't really have from anyone else in this team. Um, and Ramirez has, you know, he's been working on that physicality. He's sort of sneaky, good with his feet. He's a very good finisher. He takes his chance as well. He's a surprisingly good passer. I think that Dunlady is the perfect person to make runs and relieve pressure from Ramirez. I, I really think that Ramirez will be, you know, I think that Ramirez struggled when he was paired with Pablo Campos, you know, a few years ago. Yeah. Because I think that they were similar players at that time, and they wanted to occupy similar space. I don't think Dunlady is the same. Well, I think that he and Ramirez make a good pairing. And and I my opinion about the winger and Kevin Molino, especially. I, I mean, everyone knows that I think a four four two is the best way for us to play. But I think that Dunlady is a must start, and I think that he really did a, a ton of credit to himself. Yeah, and, and you could imagine Christian playing more like Josie Altidore, which is not so not so tight on the center backs and being a little bit playing a bit more, dropping into the hole a little bit and playing with his feet, um, linking up play a bit more. It gets Christian further away from goal, which is not what you want from a poacher like him or a killer like him. But it, it is at least, I, I'm with you, it is at least something I would like to see 
somehow you getting those two on the pitch. Uh, but the problem is it doesn't solve the other problems. The main problem with this team is not getting those chances. Because we had decent chances against Seattle and it didn't go our way. The problem was three out of four of the goals for Seattle came off of counterattacks. And they were it was back to Portland Timbers home home open or uh you know, season opener. It was completely knife through hot butter, hot butter through knife, whatever the actual expression is when I say it correctly. Um and it was it was like frustrating. It was it was back to the basics of like what the hell is having if you have Cronin in there, what's he doing? And Ibsen for the last month has been Hyde Ibsen, not Jekyll Ibsen yeah. Ibsen. So it was so frustrating. Boxall was not good. Why do you have Boxall instead of <laughs> Coleman? I don't know. Pick one of these and go with it because I'm I'm I was very frustrated. I was frustrated too. I've been vocal on criticizing Kevin Molino, especially. I think that he's on paper our third midfielder. Um, and in practice, he doesn't operate defensively as a midfielder at all. Um, you get these, you get these sort of scenarios where the other team is attacking and there's no pressure on them from behind. Let's say Cronin sort of halts their momentum and they have to slow down. No one is coming up from behind them to strip the ball. No one is forcing teams to sort of turn around and recycle it around their defenders. And once you get past Cronin and Ibsen, I guess, it's just our, our defense is wide open and people are constantly running at our defense because Cronin has to step up because Ibsen or Molino or both are not playing any defense. And when Cronin steps into that gap, the space behind him opens up and teams like players like Jordan Morris, Clint Dempsey, just get a free reign at, at the defense. We can't play. We, we have two midfielders, quote unquote midfielders who cannot be bothered to play defense when, you know, or cannot be bothered, especially to play defense on their own turnovers. And I think we can only play with one. I think and that that's, that's playing with Molino is supposed to be that, right? But he's but he he's just he's a defensive midfielder no matter what. It's not. You're, oh, you're saying Molino, Molino and Ibsen aren't doing that. Yes, I, I'm okay. saying Molino and Ibsen, especially in this game, they would give the ball away, and Ibsen would curse the skies, and Molino would start walking back. You know, he wouldn't. It, if, it, if the ball was behind him, if if, the, if he gave the ball away and Seattle immediately put the ball behind him in the field. He wouldn't track back to go get it. If they, if you put the ball in front of him, and he had, would still could go forward and try to attack and pressure, he would do that. But if, as soon as the ball got behind him, he was out of the play for good. He was not involved at all. You know what Ibsen would happen? Puts in some effort, but it just—it's not enough. We can't have those two leaving our midfield so open like that. Yeah. You know what would happen if Ibarra played uh, with the same level of intensity as Molino? Like, I mean, he, he wouldn't he, play. Well, Heath, Heath would he have like on one, of, one of uh, Ibarra's like, siblings with a gun to their head or something like that. I, I, I mean, I, look, there are problems all over this pitch. Molino is very good. He had uh, two fantastic assists last week. Um, but you're right. I mean, with a team like this that is not very good, right, it has to succeed by being a unit. It is not a unit. It has not been a unit most of the season. And the fact that we're still talking about basic defensive shape issues 
this far into the season is extremely frustrating, right? I mean, you know, the the we're always talking about who to blame and, and all these things and none of it's entirely fair, but you know, we can we can blame Lagos and 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 uh Amos all we want for Demidov and these players, etc. Um but we also have to talk about how the fact that this team you should be able to get this team to play a reasonable game. Every once in a while you get blown out, you get taken apart, but we've been regularly just, you know, taking the you know, just taking our pants down and people running around us. It's just it's crazy. So I, I'm it's very frustrating watching a game like this where obviously the team is better, but but why why were we taken apart so easily in in just basic ways? On Sunday there was the Hudson River Derby, New York and New York City. And those are two really good teams at the moment. Both of them are playing really, really well. And that was a fantastic game. I mean, it was exciting because there were a decent amount of goals scored and, and the atmosphere was great. But the, the quality of both teams, the quality of the way that they played was really impressive. What I think you see from those two teams, two, you know, two teams that are in sync, they're well coached, they, they, all the players are buying into a system. You see them move around the field as a unit, right? This is something you also see with Barcelona or Bayern. You know, if you, if you see one of those, sometimes you see a wide angle shot of the entire field and those teams play. And you see like all 20 field players clustered in a third of the field at most. They're really close together. That's because those top teams move together all around the field as a unit. They're always linked to each other. You know, no player is ever more than, you know, 10 yards away from the other, even less often. They're, they're close to each other. They're supporting each other. When I watch the, the Minnesota offense and defense, that's not the case. They're not tied to each other. They're not um, spaced in a way that allows them to support each other. It's really haphazard. There's often people who are just sort of moving in their own set positions. You know, there's, there's, there's the left winger on the left side and the right winger on the right side. And the center of the park is wide open forward. You know, the, the, we can't have that. I mean, it's, it's so clear when you look at good teams like New York, New York City, or if you look at the, you know, the best teams in the world, Bayern and Barca and Real Madrid, they move together as a unit. They're all supporting each other. With Minnesota, it's not that way. It looks like everyone is out for themselves. It looks like there's sort of an offensive unit and a defensive unit, and they don't bother helping out each other. It is it is so frustrating. Yeah. I mean, I can't say any better than that. I mean, it's August, we need to play no? like Barcelona. Is it's, no, <laughs> it's August. This, this is yeah. something that we need to have solved by now. I, I, I'm not – I want to say that I'm not – I don't like firing coaches. I don't think that it has come anywhere near to the point where we need to fire Adrian Heath or something. Um, but I think that at the same time, there need to be a, there needs to be a way to hold the coaching staff and the coaches accountable for the results and the quality of play that they've delivered without firing them. And 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 however that is, however that's handled in the organization. It, it needs to be done because the way that the team is playing right now, it looks like they haven't been together for very long. It looks like they haven't 
really done the kind of work you need to do to, to be a cohesive unit. I'm not sure how it's come to this. It looked yeah. more promising earlier in the year, but right now we're in a really frustrating spot. Public flogging uh, is probably the best solution. Right, it's not going to get better in the next month. And then our next home game, thank God, is Philadelphia Union, who are not an easy team, but at least they are of the level that we can beat this team. Mm-hmm. I don't have any confidence of us getting a, a result, a win in Seattle or Chicago. Now, maybe it's MLS, so watch it happen. Yeah, I know, yeah. I know, I know. Um, so there's a few other talking points from this game. One is, you know, Abu Dinladi is through on goal in the 13th minute, and it's called offside. Um, I, I want to just point people to the website because Doug Marshak, who is a uh, I forget his actual role, but he is a referee and very much involved in education of referees, etc. He writes for us occasionally um, and also just tells us when we're wrong uh, about referees. But um, he writes about v- VAR because it was the first weekend that um, uh, video-assisted refereeing, is that what it is, um, was used. And there was a lot of confusion by me and everyone else of why they didn't use VAR in this case. In short, it's because the assistant referees and referees are not used to it yet. And had the assistant referee simply just kept his flag down and allowed the play to go on, they could have then just reviewed whether or not it was offside after the ball went in or didn't go in or whatever. Um, But because the referee signaled offside and they called it, then you can't Review. I mean, you could review that call, but the result would be just a drop ball for Minnesota. You know, so it's it. He it, it goes into far more detail, and I think it's really useful read uh, because there's a lot of confusion. Uh, and I will say, I, I fully participate in the confusion, not knowing what the hell is happening. Uh, mm-hmm. But that happened. That was very frustrating to watch in person. But what, what, what and it was so close. I mean, that was one of the closest offside. I'm still not sure if it was off or on. Yeah, and we haven't, haven't was, had a good replay shot of it. You know, there's no really no. good uh, angle of it. Um, t- anything else you want to say? Clint Dempsey was great. Uh, Nicole- we, we got Jordan Morris started again. He has He's barely scored all year, but we made it easy for him. Yeah, and he was uh, definitely feeling... Uh, has it been his hamstring? I forget what, what has been bothering him, but he was uh, definitely later in the game favoring his... Uh, I think it was his left leg, one of his legs, and f- feeling the the knock that he's been holding for, or you know, had for a long time. Um, and yeah, I thought Jordan Morris was actually pretty decent. Um, I, I don't know what what else do we want to say about these guys other than they're way better than us. That's I think he said it. Okay, well let's uh, let's take a break. We're gonna hit more of these topics in the the question and answer session, uh, and that's what we'll do. Back on the 55.1 podcast, my name is Wes, Alex in Philadelphia, and now it is question time. You can always send in uh, email questions to westberdine at 55.1. Uh, you can also, you know, Mondays is when I put the Twitter call out. If you message me uh, other times of, of the week, um, sometimes I lose it, so I apologize if that happens. But, um, you know, just put the hashtag 551pod or DM me 
or something. Uh, and I, I try to put them, unless I'm crazy busy, I try to put them away in, in a, a Google Drive folder. Um, let's start with this. This is an email from David Crary. In the Seattle game, shouldn't we have realized, shouldn't we have given some minutes to Brandon Allen? If he isn't going to play at all when Ramirez is, an, an, is unavailable, then why do we have him on the roster? Uh, and then he said, you know, when we pulled out Ibarra, we could have easily slid Molino outside and paired Allen with Dunlady. Instead, we brought in Venegas, and that movie is getting really old. Yeah, it seems like Brandon Allen is the new occupant of the Josh Gatt endowed chair on the bench when he just sort of sits and does nothing, and no one could figure out why. Endowed with splinters in your ass is what it's endowed with. Yeah, it, it is a, a amazing. Why not? We're down 4-0. We have an extra sub. Put in the guy. See what he can do. I don't get it either. I, I you know, coaches, man. Yeah, it, it is bizarre. And we didn't use all, all three substitutions. So, um, you know, uh, Michael V says, I was very impressed with Abu up top versus Seattle. Um, ignoring the finishing, but what is his best position for Minnesota United FC? We've talked about that a little of where we want him, but can he do what he wants to do on the wing? Can we put him back there and try to do what we what we did previously? He's, he, he, I mean, I prefer him on the wing than not starting, but um, I think he is best as a striker. Uh, and as I sort of demonstrated in the three things that I wrote before the Seattle game, even when he plays on the right wing, sometimes he drifts forward and plays like a striker anyway, and we just sort of leave the right wing position vacant, um, which works if Jerome Tiasson is behind him because uh, he's a really good defender. Um, I think that that is where Abu's best position is. I think it's where his future is. Um, I am not impressed by trying to sort of shoehorn him, him shoehorn him into a four-two-three-one. I think he should play up top as a striker. Let me ask you about uh, Sam Nicholson. Did did he show anything more in this match that uh, that made you like him? Because I've been a little bit, you know, he's been fine, but nothing, he hasn't done anything so far. But, this is his best game. Yeah. He had a really good shot from distance. I can't remember the last time we took a shot from distance. Um, he, it was his best game, but then again, his first two games were really pretty uh, he basically did nothing. So uh, the fact that he did something in this game immediately elevates it. I, I think he's he's barely trained with us. I, I'm I don't know why he's getting all these minutes early on, um, but potentially it's because the club in Heath and, and the coaching staff really see a lot of potential in him and want to get him involved as soon as possible. Uh, because um, every other winger, Ibarra, Kadri, and Johan are you know have apparently hit on Heath's wife or something like that. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, so Pioneer... Oh, no, this is from Doug Marshak, speaking of uh, our referee friend. He says, if Johan Venegas had the choice between beating four defenders, shooting from 20 yards, and putting Ramirez through, when would he fall down? This is a good one. After losing the ball. Yeah, yeah, right. Oh, man. Uh, I actually... I was sitting or standing next to a, a friend of mine who it was his first game this, this season... And I, I was like, throughout, kind of just catching him up on where, how far the the season's gone, you know, where uh, the Targaryens are and everything, and where Jon Snow is. And uh, and I was just like, okay, Venegas came on in seventy four, seventy fourth minute, so I will give you until the seventy eighth minute 
to when he just runs into someone and loses possession. And it was the 80th <laughs> minute when that happened. So I missed it by two minutes. Mm. I lose. Uh, Pioneers uh, USC asks, if you could make one tactical change to get as many points as possible from the rest of the season, what do you do? Uh, you play that four four two or the four two two two, however you want to call it. You play Cronin Ibsen in the midfield, Molino on the right, Ibarra or Nicholson on the left, and then Lottie and Ramirez up top. That's the formation, the only formation that we have looked good in this year. So we'll play that way. Stop trying to make Kevin Molino a number ten. He's not. <laughs> Colin O'Donnell asks, uh, scale of frat party shutdown to Haymarket riots. How big of a riot do we throw when Minnesota United doesn't sign anyone this week? That brings us to today we're recording on August 7th. August 9th is the international transfer window ending. Uh, what do you think? How big is the riot? Uh, I don't know. I I, I mean, if... The, the the team has repeatedly said that they are going to sign like two or three more people. If they sign nobody, I think we're getting into Haymarket territory. Um, I don't understand. I, I, I mean, it, it should be said that the international transfer window, I think, is different than the MLS transfer window. I think you could you could bring in people like um, some of the people we've talked about on this pod before, like Naz Albadawi or Dylan Mares. Yeah, I think Christian Dean was linked with the team at one yeah. point. These guys you could bring in after this transfer window closes. Um, so you're talking about NASL guys, which I just want to be clear. No NASL guys are coming during the season. We're not paying money. So they'll they'll oh, come in the off season if they come. So I can dream. But what, uh, I, MLS, think that, you know, like, I think that they've got to sign somebody. I think that I think that it would be really just weird yeah. if Wednesday comes Thursday comes and we don't hear anything. Yeah, DC United just sent Lamar Nagel to Seattle for a box of uh, stale popcorn. And so <laughs> those kind of trades can still happen. I think into September, I should have looked that up before this question, but I, I didn't, so I apologize. Um, but we get this, uh, we could get, I don't know, Callum Malice, you know, like a big sort of asshole center, uh, center midfielder. Like we need more, we need a backup for Cronin. We still do not have a backup defensive midfielder. Well, we have Colin Warner, but he's he, not, I know, but he doesn't want to, he play doesn't want to play as a defensive midfielder. So he, he doesn't count. So, uh, this is from MJ, uh, race rate, recent starters subs each on a scale of zero to work. Well, just a scale. Yeah. So, uh, by box all. How, how has he been so far? The last last five. three games, five. Okay. Adequate replacement level center back. Jom. Um. Sometimes he looks like a six, and sometimes a three. Okay. Uh. uh Sam Nicholson. Five. He hasn't shown anything yet, but I don't expect him to show anything yet. Abu Dinladi. He looked really six or seven. Okay. And Johan Venegas? He's barely played. So. Incomplete. Okay. All right. Uh, Temple of the Loon. Is Rachel Phelps the real owner of this team? Do you understand? I, I do not know who Rachel Phelps is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to cop to having uh, had to, to Google that. It's She is the owner from Major League. 
Have you seen Major League? I've not seen Major League. Yeah, I haven't seen Major League since I was like 11. And so, uh, yes. All right. Uh, Mark Blade uh, says, now that the season is well and truly lost, how many guys do we call up from our USL affiliate? And then there's lots of emojis that are sad. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Okay, Uh, great. People just need to ask questions. That we can answer as opposed to questions that ask themselves. Yeah, yeah. Depressing to questions. D- depressing rhetorical questions. Thanks, guys. Right. They just uh, end in sort of a silent sort of self pity. Yeah. Andy Campbell ends this with uh, one final question. Do you think Ibsen will score a goal this season? Yes. Okay. There you go. Um, Minnesota United are off this next weekend. Um, so everyone go to the cabin or something like that. I mean, you get a free weekend. Woo. So uh, I, I, I've kind of decided that we just won't podcast next week. Cause, uh, I'm just, I'm going to go take a free weekend. So, uh, we will, you know, reconvene at some point, uh, and talk about soccer, but I'm going to basically skip out if that's okay. Yeah. I'll allow it. Cool. Great. Um, so, you know, my name is Wes. Your name is Alex. Where are you on Twitter? At Alex Sheaf. All right. Um, well, everyone, thank you. And we'll see you in two weeks. And we'll talk about our loss to Chicago. Seattle away. Seattle away. Okay. Oh, Chicago. One yeah, of whatever. Whichever. One yeah, of the two. Just keep your heads in the, in the sand, everyone. And, uh, you know, keep crying. <laughs>